Chapter Thirteen of the Little Minister. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Little Minister by J. M. Barry. Chapter Thirteen. Second Coming of the Egyptian Woman. The gypsy had been passing the house, perhaps on her way to Thrums for gossip, and it was only curiosity, born suddenly of Gavin's cry, that made her enter. On finding herself in unexpected company, she retained hold of the door, and to the amazed minister she seemed for a moment to have stepped into the mud-house from his garden. Her eyes danced, however, as they recognized him, and then he hardened. "'This is no place for you,' he was saying fiercely, when Nanny, too distraught to think, fell crying at the Egyptian's feet. "'They're taking me to the poorhouse!' she sobbed. "'Dinna let them! Dinna let them!' The Egyptian's arms clasped her, and the Egyptian kissed the sallow cheek that had once been as fair as yours, madam, who may read this story. No one had caressed Nanny for many years, but do you think she was too poor and old to care for these young arms around her neck? There are those who say that women cannot love each other, but it is not true. Woman is not undeveloped man, but something better, and Gavin and the doctor knew it, as they saw Nanny clinging to her protector. When the gypsy turned with flashing eyes to the two men, she might have been a mother guarding her child. "'How dare you!' she cried, stamping her foot. And they quaked like malefactors. "'You don't see,' Gavin began, but her indignation stopped him. "'You coward!' she said. Even the doctor had been impressed, so that he now addressed the gypsy respectfully. "'This is all very well.' he said, but a woman's sympathy. A woman! Ah, oh, if I could be a man for only five minutes! She clenched her little fists, and again turned to Nanny. You poor dear, she said tenderly. I won't let them take you away. She looked triumphantly at both minister and doctor, as one who had foiled them in their cruel designs. Go! she said, pointing grandly to the door. Is this the Egyptian of the riots? The doctor said in a low voice to Gavin. Or is she a queen? Hoochman, don't look so shamefaced. We're not criminals. Say something. Then to the Egyptian, Gavin said firmly, You mean well, but you are doing this poor woman a cruelty in holding out hopes to her that cannot be realized. Sympathy is not meal and bedclothes, and these are what she needs. And you who live in luxury, retorted the girl, would send her to the poorhouse for them. I thought better of you. Tuts! said the doctor, losing patience. Mr. Dishart gives more than any other man in Thrums to the poor, and he is not to be preached to by a gypsy. We are waiting for you, Nanny. Hi, hum, coming, said Nanny, leaving the Egyptian. Hi, hi, to gang, lassie. Dinna greet for me. But the Egyptian said, No, you are not going. It is these men who are going. Go, sirs, and leave us. And will you provide for Nanny? asked the doctor, contemptuously. Yes. And where is the siller to come from? That's my affair, and Nanny's. Begone, both of ye. She shall never want again. See how the very mention of your gone brings back life to her face. I won't be gone, the doctor said roughly, till I see the color of your siller. Oh, the money, said the Egyptian scornfully. She put her hand into her pocket confidently, as if used to well-filled purses, but could only draw out two silver pieces. I... It had forgotten, she said aloud, though speaking to herself. 
I thought so, said the cynical doctor. Come, Danny. You presume to doubt me? The Egyptian said, blocking his way to the door. How could I presume to believe you? He answered. You are a beggar by profession, and yet talk as if... Pooh! Nonsense! I would live on terrible little, Nanny whispered, and Sanders shall be out again in August month. Seven shillings a week, rapped out the doctor. Is that all? The Egyptian asked. She shall have it, then. When? At once. No, it is not possible to-night, but to-morrow I will bring five pounds. No, I will send it. N no, you must come for it. And where, O oh daughter of dives, do you reside? The doctor asked. No doubt the Egyptian could have found a ready answer had her pity for Nanny been less sincere. As it was, she hesitated, waiting to propitiate the doctor, while holding her secret fast. I only asked, McQueen said, eyeing her curiously, because when I make an appointment like to know where it is to be held. But I suppose you are to rise out of the ground as you have done today and did six weeks ago. Whether I rise out of the ground or not, the gypsy said, keeping her temper with an effort, there will be a five-pound note in my hand. You will meet me tomorrow about this hour at, uh, say, the Kimes of Cushy. No, said the doctor, after a moment's pause. I won't. Even if I went to the Kimes, I should not find you there. Why can you not come to me? Why do you carry a woman's hair, replied the Egyptian, in that locket on your chain? Whether she was speaking of what she knew, or this was only a chance shot, I cannot tell. But the doctor stepped back from her hastily, and could not help looking down at the locket. Yes, said the Egyptian, calmly. It is still shut. But why do you sometimes open it at nights? Lassie, the old doctor cried, are you a witch? Perhaps, she said. But I ask for no answer to my questions. If you have your secrets, why may I not have mine? Now, will you meet me at the Kimes? No, I distrust you more than ever. Even if you came, it would be to play with me, as you have done already. How can a vagrant have five pounds in her pocket when she does not have five shillings on her back? You are a cruel, hard man, the Egyptian said, beginning to lose hope. But see, she cried, brightening, look at this ring. Do you know its value? She held up her finger, but the stone would not live in the dull light. I see it as gold, the doctor said cautiously and she smiled at the ignorance that made him look only at the frame. "'Certainly it is gold,' said Gavin, equally stupid. "'Mercy on us!' Nanny cried. "'I believe it's what they call a diamond.' "'How did you come by it?' the doctor asked suspiciously. "'I thought we had agreed not to ask each other questions,' the Egyptian answered dryly. "'But see, I will give it to you to hold in hostage. If I am not at the kinds to give it back, you can keep it.' The doctor took the ring in his hand and examined it curiously. Mm, there is a quirk in this, he said at last, that I don't like. Take back your ring, lassie. Mr. Dishart, give Nanny your arm, and I'll carry her box to the machine. Now, all this time, Gavin had been in the dire distress of a man possessed of two minds, of which one said, This is a true woman, and the other, Remember the 17th of October. They were at war within him, and he knew that he must take a side. Yet no sooner had he cast one out than he invited it back. He did not answer the doctor. Unless, McQueen said, nettled by his hesitation, you trust this woman's word. Gavin tried honestly to weigh those two minds against each other, but could not prevent impulse jumping into one of the scales. You do trust me, said the Egyptian, with wet eyes, and now that he looked on her again. Yes, he said firmly, I trust you. 
and the words that had been so difficult to say were the right words he had no more doubt of it just think a moment first the doctor warned him i decline to have anything to do with this matter you will go to the kimes for the siller if it is necessary said gavin it is necessary the egyptian said then i will go nanny took his hand timidly and would have kissed it had he been less than a minister you dare not man the doctor said gruffly make an appointment with this gypsy think of what will be said in thrums i honour gavin for the way in which he took this warning for him who was watched from the rising of his congregation to the lying down whose every movement was expected to be a text to thrums it was no small thing that he had promised this he knew but he only reddened because the doctor had implied an offensive thing in a woman's presence you forget yourself doctor he said sharply send someone in your place advised the doctor who liked the little minister he must come himself and alone said the egyptian you must both give me your promise not to mention who is nanny's friend and she must promise too well said the doctor buttoning up his coat i cannot keep my horse freezing any longer remember mr dishart you take the sole responsibility of this i do said gavin and with the utmost confidence give him the ring then lassie said mcqueen she handed the minister the ring but he would not take it i have your word he said that is sufficient then the egyptian gave him the first look that he could think of afterwards without misgivings so be it said the doctor get the money and i will say nothing about it unless i have reason to think that it has been dishonestly come by don't look so frightened at me nanny i hope for your sake that her stocking foot is full of gold surely it's worth risking nanny said not very brightly when the minister's on her side ay but on whose side nanny asked the doctor lassie i bear you no grudge will you not tell me who you are only a poor gypsy your honour said the girl becoming mischievous now that she had gained her point only a wandering holland shaker and will i tell you your fortune my pretty gentleman no you shan't replied the doctor plunging his hands so hastily into his pockets that gavin laughed i don't need to look at your hand said the gypsy i can read your fortune in your face she looked at him fixedly so that he fidgeted i see you said the egyptian in a sepulchral voice and speaking slowly become very frail your eyesight has almost gone you are sitting alone in a cold room cooking yon dinner over a feeble fire the soot is fallen down the lum your bearish manners towards women have driven the servant lassie frae your house and your wife beats you ay you spoil your prophecy there the doctor said considerably relieved for i'm not married my pipe's the only wife i ever had you will be married by that time continued the egyptian frowning at this interruption for i see your wife she is a shrew she marries you in your dotage she laughs at you in company she does not allow you to smoke away with you you jade cried the doctor in a fury and feeling nervously for his pipe mr dishart you had better stay and arrange this matter as you choose but i want a word with you outside and you're no angry with me doctor are you asked nanny wistfully you've been very good to me but i cannot thole the thought of that place and oh doctor you wouldn't tell naebody that i was so near time to it in the garden mcqueen said to gavin you may be right mr dishart in this matter for there is this in our favour that the woman can gain nothing by tricking us she did seem to feel for nanny but who can she be 
you saw she could put off and on the scotch tongue as easily as if it were a cap she is as much a mystery to me as to you gavin answered but she will give me the money and that is all i ask of her ay that remains to be seen but take care of yourself a man's second childhood begins when a woman gets hold of him don't alarm yourself about me doctor i dare say she is only one of those gypsies from the south they are said to be wealthy many of them and even when they like to have a grand manner the thrums people had no doubt but that she was what she seemed to be ay but what does she seem to be even that puzzles me and then there is this mystery about her which she admits herself though perhaps only to play with us perhaps said gavin she is only taking precautions against her discovery by the police you must remember her part in the riots yes but we never learned how she was able to play that part besides there is no fear in her or she would not have ventured back to thrums however good luck attend you but be wary you saw how she kept her feet among her shiles and wills never trust a scotch man or woman who does not come to grief among them the doctor took his seat in the dog-cart and mr dishart he called out that was all nonsense about the locket end of chapter thirteen recorded by sylvia m b in washington state